You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This week's edition of Assembly Call Radio is coming right up. Before we get to that, a quick word from one of this week's sponsors, SeatGeek. You know, the NCAA tournament is over, but baseball is in full swing. Football is going to be back before we know it. And then, of course, basketball will be coming right after that. It feels like a long time from now, but it will be coming here again. And if you need tickets for any events, you know, sporting events or concerts or other live events, make sure to check out SeatGeek because for a long time, as you know, buying tickets has been really difficult, really annoying with a few big companies who don't really care that much about the customer. But SeatGeek is a ticket company where the customer comes first. With more than 50,000 five-star reviews in the App Store, SeatGeek is focused on making your experience as easy as possible. SeatGeek pulls in millions of tickets from all over the web, rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10, and displays them on an interactive seat map so it's simple to find what you're looking for. Green dots are good deals, red dots are overpriced, simple, easy, straight to the point, and you can see it at a glance. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. My wife and I are going to a concert coming up in May. Got the tickets with SeatGeek. That's why I feel comfortable recommending them to you, because I've used them. The experience is always top-notch, and you should use them as well. And best of all, listeners of The Assembly Call get $10 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. They support our show, so we hope you will support them as well. Use our promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. You can use that for concert tickets, sports, comedy, whatever you want. Remember, that's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right. Now, here's this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Real quick, I will let you know I was dealing with a power outage during the recording of this, so big-time kudos to Coach for stepping up and hosting at the last second, and my thanks to Galen Clavio from Crimson Cast who stepped up because, crazily enough, Ryan was also dealing with the power outage. His power came on about you know 10 minutes before the show started, so he was able to do it. So it's Coach, it's Ryan, it's Galen Clavio from Crimson Cast on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Here we go. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never-dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 118th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 510th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, April 18th, 2019. I am your host, Brian, the coach, Tonsoni, filling in for the last moment minute for Jared Morris, who is dealing with a power outage. Uh, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. I will be reading uh, Jared's Banner Moment uh, in honor of him since he can't be with us. So here we go. This week's Banner Moment occurred at 5 o'clock on Tuesday, April 16th, when Butler graduate transfer Joey Brunk tweeted the following, I've grown up an Indiana kid, and I'm proud of where I come from excited to be an Indiana Hoosier and play for Coach Miller, looking forward to joining the tradition. Ever since announcing his intention to move on from Butler as the rare grad transfer eligible to play immediately, and with two years of eligibility remaining, Brunk had emerged an important player for Archie Miller to land. Deron Davis is expected to be Indiana's starter and most efficient scorer in the post next season, but his flashes of dominance have always been interspread with injuries and concerns about conditioning. Brunk represents important insurance behind Davis this year as a skilled offensive player who can go get buckets on the block, and he'll still be around next season when Davis departs. Plus, the graduation of Jawan Morgan and the departures of Clifton Moore and Jake Forster had left Indiana suddenly thin along the front court. The mercurial Justin Smith has operated mostly as a foreman during his time at Indiana, and Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson are expected to play important roles next season, but those two have played a combined 63 minutes of college basketball. 
Brunk is three years removed from high school and has over 700 minutes of experience in the Big East. You need depth along the, inter along the interior to compete in the Big Ten, and now Indiana has it. So for those reasons and more, which we'll discuss throughout this episode, landing Joey Brunk was important. Granted, Brunk is just another piece of the puzzle. By himself, he doesn't project to vault Indiana from out of the NCAA tournament to back into it, and there remain other important roster holes to be filled and questions about how Archie Miller will construct lineups with Brunk and Indiana's other skilled big men and non-shooting big men. Still, at this point, Brunk's addition answers more questions than it asks, and it helps to rebalance Indiana's scholarship situation moving forward. Bottom line, Indiana needed a player like Brunk, and now he'll be a Hoosier. That's an important step in the right direction for these pivotal next two years of the Archie Miller era. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show, a panel put together at the last minute. Uh, to my left, he is the head of IU Sports Media Department and the godfather of IU Sports Podcasting as the host of the Crimson Cast Podcast. He is Galen Clavio. Galen, what are your opening thoughts on the previous week in IU basketball? Things moving in the right direction. I'm excited about what we're seeing so far uh, with uh, the, obviously getting a new member on the roster. That's always a good look. And I think specifically with Joey Brunk, who we're going to talk in more detail about, thumbs up for me on that. And I think it's always good, especially after a year like this year where it was kind of disappointing, where we can just start to move forward and start thinking about next year uh, and start having things happen that specifically affect next year. So that's really my main takeaways from this week. And, you know, it's all positive from this point forward, hopefully. And to my right, he is senior writer for The Big Lead, a co-host for The Hangover, and recently won the Webby Award for podcast host, most likely to disrespect and interrupt his co-host. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? I did a lot of legwork to get that award secured. Uh, no, I, I think I agree. It has to be the Brunk uh, decision. We've got an official visitor coming in and Anthony Harris, who I think would be a really nice addition to the team and fits what Archie Miller uh, wants, but you know, that's not a guarantee that he's going to choose Indiana. Uh, he was committed to Virginia Tech and has, has opened up his recruitment. So, of course, that's great news that he's coming on campus. Uh, but I would say that Brunk is is certainly the, the big moment of the week, and we'll get into his scouting report a little bit here in a minute. But I just think that there was a hole up front for a big, you know, uh, for a big, and I think that you filled it here without you know, you're not working with a project here. You're not working with speculation. You're not working with, well, we hope he has a good summer and develops. You're working with a guy who's played college basketball. He's played in the Big East. He started 13 games for Butler this year, uh, averaged 18 minutes. He's a guy who has played college basketball and played it at the highest level and is a guy who is from Indiana, knows what it's like, and knows what it means to play for Indiana and really wants to be a part of that. And on top of all that, He's not sitting out a year, and he's got two years remaining. There's a lot to like about this deal for Indiana, and I think it was – I said it on Twitter when I, when I got the, the text that he had committed. I, I said, no, look, th this works out for both parties extremely well, and we all hope that Deron Davis is going to be healthy and, and uh, you know, back in shape and everything now that he'll have the whole offseason hopefully to be healthy, and if that's the case, maybe you know, Brunk isn't as much of an emergency as it feels like getting him – but you can never go wrong having another 6'11 guy on your roster. You really can't, even just from a practice standpoint, getting to go up against a guy like that, especially if he puts on 10, 15 pounds uh, this summer and, and just reworks his body and gets into better shape. Uh, you know, that's a guy you got to you gotta go against every day in practice and, and be aware of and account for. And then, uh, you know, when Davis leaves, if there's still that hole up front for a true center, Brunk slides right in. You can maybe take a guy in the next recruiting cycle who can develop for a year. Um, you know, you're not working with having to immediately replace Deron Davis and, and find somebody immediately that fits in at that pure five role. So uh, I think it's a really good pickup. I think it's great for both parties. It's clear Joey Brunk really knows what it means to be a Hoosier and really wants to be a Hoosier. And uh, I think he fits what Archie Miller needed really badly. And now, with the rest of your scholarships, with these last two scholarships, you can go get, you know, a guard who can shoot, a wing who can shoot, find something in that mold to really round out the roster. And I think it's it's going to be a really good fit for Indiana. 
I've been saying all along roster construction is extremely important. And when you watch teams in the NCAA, how do they fit their pieces together? And, and I think Brunk will fit that, uh, that mode as a, as a nice piece. He, he's not the ultimate piece that is going to make the season successful next year, but he is part of that. And just the fact of his comments about being from Indiana, knowing the tradition, looking forward to be part of the tradition, tradition is something the program needs. Uh, I've been clamoring for those Archie guys, those Indiana guys, uh, that want to come in and win for Indiana. And it seems like you replace a, a two-year player in Clifton Moore, uh, that scholarship basically with the guy who's been in a college for three years, has some time uh, and has some skills that are equal uh, statistic-wise to Davis. We'll get into that a, a little bit later. So, uh, well, and, and, and one thing I want to add, Brian, is that essentially Clifton Moore was going to be a junior and you're getting a junior. So you're right. You're, right. you're replacing, let's say you're replacing Clifton Moore in the in the rotation, the four year rotation, with a guy who, as you said, has experience and has been there where Clifton Moore didn't. Clifton Moore, a lot of upside there when he came into to college, never really got a chance to show it. Joey Brunk may not have that upside, but he's at least a known quantity and you know what you can get from him and you know you can send him out there in the Big Ten and you're not really losing anything. And and, and the depth thing that I I again uh, harp on all the time gives options uh, if someone's not playing well you can uh, try different things and and that creates competition and practice becomes a lot better too when you have a couple of uh, of quality centers going up against each other and and then you you equate that with all of the other uh, players coming in so um, welcome Joey Brunk uh, to Indiana we'll be talking about Joey quite a bit um, and so okay here's what we're going to be talking about uh, this week on the show two upcoming official visits to keep an eye on uh, to add more excitement to the to the off season, uh, we'll talk more about Joey Brunk as much of a scouting report as we can uh, give, and the reaction to Indiana's Big Ten opponents for next season, uh, plus answering uh, some questions from the mailbag. All that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Okay, before we get to all that, let's talk about sleep and why you need to buy your next mattress from our friends, the proud IU grads and loyal fans at Comfort Option. First off, they'll actually come to your house. Seriously. If you live in Indy or Bloomington, you can schedule Comfort Options revolutionary in-home mattress service so that you can custom design a mattress that is exactly the way you want it. And as longtime Assembly Call listener Megan Mahaffin once explained, there's a van with a bed in it, and they just put the mattress together right there, and you lay on it, and if you decide then if you like it or not, uh, Megan would say that a lot better than I would. But yes, seriously, they come right to your house, and they don't charge you extra for this service. And get this. Even if you don't live in India or Bloomington, you can still order one of their Alpha mattresses online and they'll deliver it anywhere in the U.S. And if it isn't exactly how you want it, that's okay because Comfort Option offers a 30-90 satisfaction guarantee to make sure you love your mattress. Bottom line, they want the mattress buying experience to be more pleasant than it's ever been. So go to ComfortOption.com right now and either order your Alpha mattress or schedule your in-home mattress store service today. And when you do, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $50 off your purchase. Again, comfortoption.com. Promo code assembly for $50 off. Get the mattress that's right for you. Don't leave your sleep to chance. It's too important. Okay, let's get back to some basketball. Two official visits uh, to keep an eye on. Anthony Harris, uh, 6'3 guard, had originally committed to Virginia Tech, uh, has taken, is going to take a couple official visits, I think, to Indiana and North Carolina. More of a point guard than... than a shooter, maybe. Um, I'll get your guys' opinion on that. And the shooter in the bunch is Lester Quinones. He'll be coming in the 24th uh, through the 26th to IU, 6'5 guard. Uh, has visits also to, to Michigan. And uh, Ethan Morton has an in, Indiana in-home on April 23rd and a Bloomington visit on May 13th. Three uh, scorers, shooters that uh, Indiana needs. Um, Ryan, let's start with you. Your thoughts on the upcoming visits of the, the players that Archie is still uh, recruiting. Well, Harris, I can tell, is the guy that 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 Archie is going to be salivating over because he's six three, plays really tough defense, very long, uh, really likes to play aggressive on ball defense. Would fit the way that a team like Virginia would want a kid. Um, he's a sixty fifth ranked player in rivals. He can shoot. Uh, he 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 really developed a jump shot last summer. Uh, got better at it. It's not his forte. He's still developing. But it's it's something that uh, he can lean on. Uh, he's coming off an ACL tear. I see in the notes here. I didn't know that. Uh, I hadn't followed him this year as much. But 
even once he committed to, to Virginia Tech, you kind of forget about him because he was committed. But with the coaching changes, he's back on the market. Uh, Duke really liked him. Duke was after him. Um, and, and really, he's open. It seems like he's reopened completely right now. Uh, four-star kid out of Fairfax. Indiana's had some success with guys out of Virginia before. Um, but he's, he's, a, he's a guy that wants to defend. And, and you watch video on him, and he is... A defender. He really wants to defend. He wants to steal the. He wants to take the ball from you, and he wants to get out in transition. And and that's something that Indiana needs. I don't see him as more of a point guard. I see him more as a combo guard, kind of where he can score off the dribble. Um, and, and instead of a guy who needs to be ball dominant, but the shooting is the key here. If he can develop a jump shot, that'd be a great pickup for Indiana because he already plays defense. They don't have to push him to play defense. Galen, your thoughts on um, Harris and and. And maybe Kenyonis um, and who you might prefer. I don't know that I have a preference. It, I, I think both of them look like really good players. I, I tend to echo uh, the the comments of Ryan about how you know Harris's aggressiveness really does make him look perhaps like a better overall fit. But I, you know, look, I, the way I look at this, it, it's just so hard to tell how a player is going to mesh not just with the coach, but with the other pieces on the team. And, you know, we thought in last year's recruiting class that IU had had picked certain players over others that were going to mesh better. And I think that the jury's still out on some of them, frankly. That doesn't mean that they won't long-term, but I think what's really imperative for IU at this point is that they figure out a way to bring in players that can have some kind of an immediate impact with these last couple of, of spots uh, as younger players. Because, you know, while... While there is some experience on the team, uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna be looking for competition in practice, and not just competition in like warm bodies, but competition in like, hey, you guys want to play? Well, guess what? There's these other guys who want to play even more, and that you know, to some degree, I feel like that was a component that was missing with this IU team for large portions of the season this year. So yeah, you know, I so it look, I, I think both of them look like really good players, and I think if. If the success of the Texas Techs in the world has told us anything, it's that the numbers don't necessarily matter that much as much as the overall fit of the player with the program and the coach. And so, um, and the right now, it, too. yeah, and the, and, the, and the development, absolutely. So it's, it's kind of a coin flip for me at this stage. Yeah, and Quinones, uh, for those who don't know, is, is known as one of the better shooters in the country. He's 6'5". He can get his shot off from the guard position. Uh, a guy who they may have to push to play defense a little more, which, again, I don't have... When a guy comes in and doesn't play any defense whatsoever, that's an issue. But with Archie Miller, I feel like he'll get guys who maybe are just blasé about defense to care about defense because you're not going to see the floor if you don't play defense. And Galen, to your point, having guys who can push other guys, uh, USC players, back when Pete Carroll was a coach, said the scariest day of the year was signing day because he would gather the entire roster into a big auditorium say hey guys you did a great job helping us recruit these guys you know when they got on campus showing them a good time here's what we got and it would be highlights and these guys would be terrified because they'd see this 6'5 220 pound receiver who's going to take their job or a cornerback with like nine interceptions run back for touch you know i mean it was you know a, a, an offensive lineman who's just mauling a defensive lineman yeah and, and they said that was the scariest day of the year they were all excited hey we got all these new guys we're going to compete for a championship but then they realize, oh, God, I really have to work hard this summer. It's, you know, one of the greatest motivators, as Bob Knight always said, is the pine. And, you know, what gets you on the pine? Having players that are either better than you or work harder than you on the bench. And, and I think to some degree uh, we've lacked that at Indiana basketball for several years now is, is like reliable. And roster con roster yeah. construction and continuity has so much to do with it. Yeah, All of that, yeah. And, and that's where the injuries hurt last year when you take basically the middle of the roster away in in mid-January and February and don't have, you know, four of your second five to practice against, too, uh, that pushes people as well, the, the fear of the bench during games. But uh, how are you playing at practice? Are you getting better by being pushed by good competition as well? Um, so I, I'm one of the questions I'd like to answer and have you guys answer, too, and, and we might need to do this in the next segment, is does this spot need to be a shooter or is the shooting going to be better just by a progression of the players we have? and our better players who are leaving were not very good three-point shooters last year. And my my buddy Joel at the baseball game always points this out. We're losing two 28% shooters who shot a lot. And so more shots are going to go to the L Durham's and the guys who shot a little better and Devontae Green's plus the improvement 
do we need that shooter in this these last two spots? I think the answer is yes, but maybe not 100% have to. Let me put it this way. It cannot hurt. That's true. <laughs> you know, That's I true. mean, you kind of... And, and you kind of feel like, look, those. I feel like Rob Finnessy's going to going to get better. You're going to have a better percentage from from shooting. I think that Al Durham's going to have a better percentage. I think Devontae Green, if he can find some consistency, as he seemed to do late in the year, once he bought in, maybe he can shoot a little bit better and he gets some more consistency there. The problem is, is it in today's world, you can't have guards who can't shoot. You just can't because you need those guys to kick the ball out to, or everybody is going to suck in down low pack the paint and make it impossible for your bigs to go to work or your drivers to get to the hoop. So I, I just think it can't hurt. Um, I think all of the guys we're looking at can shoot the ball. Um, you mentioned Ethan Morton too. I think it's worth mentioning. He's a 2020 recruit. He, he won't be coming this year, but he is very high on Archie Miller and Indiana. He w- he's the kind of player I think that a lot of people would really like to see in Indiana. Um, but Quinones or Harris, I feel like you're getting a guy who can do both things, who can play defense, but also shoot the ball, score the ball, do some of the things you need more of on this roster. And I think we all said, uh, on, you know, Andy, Jared, and I before this, uh, before this offseason that we needed to maybe get a wing scorer. If Jerome, you know, depending on the health of Jerome Hunter, you need a wing scorer and you need a guard who can shoot it just to even things out for you. Um, and I, I think that both these guys would help with that. One other thing real quick on this. I think that the way that the roster shapes up next year might actually lend itself to better outside shooting because you're not having to route the offense around and through Juwan Morgan, who, try as he might, just couldn't shoot from outside particularly well. And you're not routing it through Romeo Langford, who might have been a good three-point shooter if not for the hand injury. Uh, We'll never really know. But so much of the offense was predicated around Romeo getting the ball on the wing and driving that – I think that while you, theoretically that should have opened shooters up uh, you know, outside, it didn't for whatever reason. And I think that because the offense is going to have to be more egalitarian next year, there's a possibility that that's going to get shooters more confident in what they're doing, You know, not just Finnessy and, and Durham, but some other guys as well. And I think you saw some of that late in the year uh, in the NIT uh, when Romeo wasn't playing and, and some of the guys hit some three-point shots. So... Okay, coming up on the assembly call, it's time to dive deep on the newest edition of Indiana's roster. That means it's scouting report time. Plus, how does uh, Joey Brunk fit in terms of lineups and rotations? We'll discuss coming up. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com assemblycall. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Galen Clavio from Crimson Class and Ryan Phillips. And we're now going to uh, try to give you a Joey Brunk scouting report. Um, a quick summary, Brunk um, has been more efficient offensively than Duran statistically, especially as a cutter and an offensive rebounder. He was um, a little more efficient scoring in the post than Duran, but Duran's numbers are much better defensively uh, in the post. And that's one area where overall it seems that the defensive strength of Duran makes him, uh, statistically at least from what's happened in the past, maybe um, a, a better player at this point. Um, Ryan, we'll start with you. Um, your thoughts on what Joey brings um, from a scouting report uh, in the in the five spot? Well, really, I'm going off of what I saw from Joey this year. Uh, I watched uh, a good number of Butler games. Uh, it, I liked him as a high school prospect. I really thought he had some athletic upside, and he still does. He's an athletic guy for his size, for 6'11", 230. I think he's around there right now. Um, He's a guy who can move. He can get up and down the floor. He's not Cody Zeller as far as running the floor, but he's athletic, and he can go up and get a rebound, go up and get the ball. One thing that is for his size that's, I, I wouldn't say alarming, but it's kind of just, it's kind of upsetting is that he's not a shot blocker at all. I mean, he really doesn't challenge. He can challenge shots with his length. I, I won't say that he can't, but he's not a guy who's going to go up and just pin balls to the backboard every time a guy drives in. He's just not that guy. Um, he's offensively, Great with the ball in his hands, good passer, good vision, uh, solid finisher around the hoop with his back to the basket or facing up. He can step out and face up, maybe shoot a little bit. Not a three-point shooter yet. 
Um, I think he did that a little bit in high school. So I wonder if that's a part of his game. He's going to try and work on it in Indiana. Obviously he's not going to be a guy out there who's just going to be going Sam Perkins and just pumping in threes from deep. But you know, if he could step out on the floor and maybe be a threat out there, maybe you open up the floor a little bit. Um, Played 18 minutes, shot 61% from the field, uh, 64% from the free throw line, uh, which for a guy his size means he's got decent touch. Uh, obviously, you want to up those numbers, try and get to 70. But if you're if you're in the mid-60s as a big guy, it means you got pretty good touch uh, on your shot. Um, average 3.6 rebounds a game, uh, one assist. He's a good passer out of the post. He's not a black hole where you throw it in there and it's never coming back. He's a guy who can move the ball. He can get up and down the floor. Uh, and, and he's a guy who I think is solid offensively and with more of an opportunity, which is part of the reason he came to Indiana was to get more of an opportunity. Uh, I think that he'll be able to up those numbers. Certainly he's not going to be a guy who's going to get you 15 and 10 in the big 10. He's just not. And, and that's incredible. I mean, those guys are incredibly rare. So I don't want people to go into this thinking, Oh, we got a dominant big, who's going to dominate the big 10. No, we got a guy who can get you minutes in the big 10 who a can absorb five fouls for sure and play good defense. And that's going to help with Deron Davis gets into foul trouble as he has shown the, the, the tendency to do. If Trace Jackson Davis is getting into foul trouble, he can step in as one of the two bigs. I think he can play the four or the five. Um, if Deron Davis is in there, obviously you pull him to be the, you pull uh, Brunk in there if he has to, to sort of play on the perimeter, move the ball around, maybe play high-low in the post a little bit with Deron Davis. Um, but I think he's a guy that, really can do a, a multitude of things as it more of a pure center uh, and uh, and and step out on that four, you know, if you need him to as well. So I think it's a great pickup, uh, especially given, look, if you were going to get at this point of the year, if you were going to get a, a guy who's going to be an incoming freshman or just a straight up, you know, a high school recruit coming in, they're not going to be anywhere near as developed as Joey Brunk. They're not going to be as big. He He's a man as opposed to, you know, a 17, 18 year old kid coming in to do this. This is a great fit for this program. He's not going to dominate games for you. He might have some, some high scoring games and some good games, but he's not going to dominate games for you, but he's a guy who will work. He's also a worker on the floor. I should have mentioned that he gets up. He, he moves around a lot. He's active. Uh, and, and he's a guy who's going to put in the work to be a better player. And so I think it's a great fit. Galen. I echo a lot of that. I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, so my my scouting report from uh, my my sources in in the indie area are basically that this is this guy could be a diamond, uh, you know, in the rough, so to speak, in terms of uh, you know just to to grab a guy, you know, as a two year transfer player, you don't quite know what you're getting, but um, you know, his per forty stats, I think, were sixteen and eight on sixty two percent shooting, which that's good. Uh, that's now, great. you know, granted you know, how does that translate and how many minutes does he end up playing? But you only really need to play, the guy to come in to play 20 minutes a game. You know, if he can do that and you can play him 20 and, and Deron Davis 20. And, if he's getting the eight and five, averaging eight and five, that's yeah. great. You're feeling like really 20, good about playing yourself. 20 minutes. That's great. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I think his physicality is, is going to be important in a big 10 where you're having to bang with big guys. I mean, this is, this is look at the physical, issues that IU had over the past couple of years going up against, you know, the Purdue's and, and the Ohio States and, and, you know, teams that had, you know, players that had a lot of physicality down low. So I think he certainly helps with that. Uh, and I think that at the end of the day, you're looking at a guy that was just in the wrong circumstance at Butler. And, you know, that's not necessarily Butler's fault. Sometimes you get recruits that don't necessarily mesh with what you're doing or, or how you're trying to, to coach or play the game. But I think, you know, given what Archie Miller tends to like to do on both ends of the floor, I think this is a guy that can drop right in and, you know, be able to contribute pretty quickly. I, I don't see this as being a situation where he's going to have to take, you know, half a year to feel comfortable with no, what's he's, going on he's around. He's plug and play. He's yeah. got it. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, that what's nice is also he knows Trace Jackson Davis, what they have the same trainer, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so there's going to be some chemistry already there. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm assuming that he knows Armand Franklin at least somewhat as well, just from being in the area. That that stuff builds on itself, and it really does help the team being able to go out there and have that unspoken chemistry that allows you to play the game a lot more naturally than than what we've seen over the past couple of years, where guys have looked like they don't necessarily know where their teammates are going to be at all times on the floor. You know, I, I I've been really big on um, 
and maybe it's just my age, but having guys that really want to be at Indiana and play at Indiana and win at, at Indiana, and there's nothing wrong with doing that and then going on to the NBA. Um, as, and I just, I just really appreciated his comments. Uh, and I think, you know, whether it's eight and five or 10 and five, whatever he brings statistically, I think that chemistry, Galen, that you were talking about, could be a really big plus after hearing, you know, and, and you hear secondhand stories about what went on in locker rooms and all, all that kind of stuff uh, the last two years. It, it's, it's more of an, uh, of an Indiana guy who really likes the tradition, and I think that speaks volumes. I will, I will say to our listeners, you know, you, you look at some of the stats that, that, that we have here about he, he doesn't guard post-ups very well, and he even admitted that he needs to rebound better. But again, I like that there's a player that knows where he's deficient and is going to have to go to work. And it seems like he can't wait to go to work um, uh, starting in June when he moves down down to Bloomington. So I think those weaknesses will uh, will improve, as all players do in the summer. Uh, but I do think he brings uh, a lot uh, to to the team. Uh, and the other thing is, when you think pick pick and pop uh, four, it doesn't. It's nice if they can shoot the three, but you can pick and pop from the from the mid range too, and still free throw line if you need yeah, to. Yeah, and, and and still make the defense have to scramble a little bit. So, uh, and he talked about developing that three point shot and wanting to do that more. Uh, I just think, um, you know, Al Durham has been seen in the in the in Cook Hall getting up a lot of shots every day. I, I just think that attitude starting to shift back to where. Uh, it, it needs to be with good defensive principles and, and the recruiting inside out. All of this stuff is starting to play. And Joey Brunk just speaks to a lot of that for me. I mean, so, so guys, if you would talk about lineups and how they're going to play and do it, do we go big? Where does, where does uh, race Thompson fit in in this uh, trace Jackson Davis Galen, we'll start with you. Uh, where, where do you see all of these four or five players uh, fitting in, into a lineup uh, at, at this point? I mean, I think it depends on who you're playing. If if you're going a little on the smaller side, I think you roll Finnessy Green Durham as as a three guard lineup to get things going. And then I think based upon health and who's playing well at what time, you can pick from the four guys in the post. You got Duran Davis, Joey Brunk, Trace Jackson Davis, and Race Thompson. And I think all of those guys I feel comfortable with all of them. Yeah, there's there's not a lineup where I'd be like, oh God, we're running that this time. It, it doesn't really occur to me. And we're not even including Justin Smith in that lineup. We're not even including Jerome Hunter. Uh, you know, so you've got a lot of flexibility. I think that this this team has the possibility with four of their players to have four really versatile athletes who could range from a lineup where you know your tallest four is six six or six seven to where your four is six ten or six eleven. And that's a really powerful flexibility that Archie Miller really hasn't enjoyed over the last couple of years. That, you know, to be able to match based upon, you know, what the other team is doing and, you know, be able to, to in some cases, just dictate the tempo on his own. I think that your standard starting lineup right now, I think, would certainly include Finnessy Green, Durham, Deron Davis. And then it really just comes down to, you know, how's Justin Smith playing? How's Jerome Hunter looking? And how are the other three post players, uh, you know, fitting into things? It really is a very flexible sort of approach that he can take. Yeah, and look, if you want to, and if he develops this summer, I mean, we've been saying that for a long time, does Justin Smith slide out to the three sometimes, give you Trace Jackson Davis and and uh, Deron Davis inside? Could you roll with Trace Jackson Davis maybe at a five and a Ray Thompson in there to help him? I mean, there's so many possibilities with the way you could go. Uh, Brunk just adds to that, and he just adds to the versatility there. I think right now, if you're laying it out, you know, one through five, uh, I think Brunk slides in as a backup center who will probably play a lot because Deron Davis is just never going to be a guy who's going to give you 33 minutes a game or anything like that. I think we'd all love it if he gave us 25, you know, really good minutes. Um, but just given his size and, and the injuries he's had and the leg issues, you know, you'd really like to see him give you about 25 great minutes. And when Deron gives you great minutes, Deron gives you great minutes. You know, I, I mean, really... And it was just so limited because of the injuries and everything. And so um, I really think that if you're, if you're looking at where Brunk fits from the standpoint, I think he slots in as that backup center, but he's a swing guy who can step in at a four, maybe run some high-low stuff as we talked about. He can slide in, take over as the one center if Duran needs to sit a game or something. 
and, and, and so there's just versatility and that's, you have different lineups you can play with. And as a coach, that's incredibly valuable to be able to change things up on the fly. As you saw this year with the injuries, you felt like if one guy was out, it threw the whole thing off. Well, now you can just kind of massage it a little bit and switch things up a little bit. The, the one thing I'll say on that minutes-wise, the most minutes Deron Davis played in any game when he, after he came back from injury was 25, and he only did that twice. And so you're going to need minutes out of all of these guys yep. uh, in the post. It's just, it's, it's, I think Deron's had enough injury issues and his body is, has, has struggled against itself for so long that the more you can cushion his playing time and put him in idealized situations, the longer he's going to last and the better IU is going to be for the duration of the if season. You can get 15 All-American minutes a game from Deron Davis and five meh minutes. You that would be perfect. Like just because when he gets the ball offensively, he is fan and he's in the game and, and warmed up and everything. He's fantastic at either finishing, little turnaround jumper he does, passing out of double teams, he's fantastic at. It's just the problem is keeping him in a rhythm and you know on the on the floor without fouling and for length of time. You can get 15 great minutes out of him every game and count on that. Man, that that changes the dynamic for this team because you can sit him for 20 minutes, you know, throughout sprinkled in throughout that game with all those other guys we just named that could help him. I, I will say this. I don't think any of these guys are getting buried on the bench. I think all of them are going to play a lot. I don't think that you can look. And also what's good about this, you can start the season easing Trace Jackson Davis into his playing time as well. You know, of course, when you're playing the, the, the dregs of the schedule, you can play him 15, 20 minutes if you want. But when you play a big game, you can ease him in. You don't have to throw him to the wolves. And you know, Davis also is inconsistent game to game, week to week, too. It seems he, he's had that history. He's got to overcome that in order to be ready to play 31 regular season games. Uh, th- there were times where he would play four or five, and then uh, then something w- w- would happen. And that's not, not he's not deciding to do that. that. That's just what's happened. But it has been a track record, and, and he really needs to have a great summer of conditioning and strength and all of that, and be healthy. And I think when he was, he really helped Indiana play well. And, and but again, I'm not sure that's going to be more than 15, 20 minutes a game. The other thing that I'd like to get you does this make a Justin Smith better because you got to find playing time now. And, and is, is uh, Trace Jackson Davis, is Race Thompson going to be that kind of competition? Do you see those guys jumping ahead at the four, uh, a combination? Uh, if you had those five post players, maybe what order would you see him playing in? Oh, gosh. I, look, it's hard to say. Which Justin Smith are we talking about? Are we talking about the Justin Smith at the end of his freshman and sophomore years who who put up some incredible performances and, and played like the guy everybody was hoping for or the guy who frankly disappeared in important games. I, I mean, look, I think it's, you, you never want to give up on a player and you never want to assume off the first couple of years of a player's career that he's never going to get it. I mean, you know, go, go back and read season on the brink. Bob Knight was convinced Daryl Thomas was never going to figure it out. And then he turned into, you know, a guy that was probably the second most important player on the national championship team in 87 these these developments happen and as i've said many times on crimson cast we have a tendency in this era to if a guy doesn't perform after a year and a half just expect them to be gone and somebody else just take his place rather than just expect the natural development process to happen so you know as far as putting guys in order i i have no earthly idea it's it is so difficult to figure out how everybody shuffles around this offseason well, here's the thing is that we don't know. We didn't see how good Tra- Brace Thompson is either. I no, mean, we, we saw a very truncated season out of him where he couldn't shoot the ball because he hadn't shot the ball for so long. He struggled defensively at times too. Yeah, and again, this was his freshman year too. I mean, you can practice all you want. Getting on the floor in a game is a little bit different. and Just a little. Um, but no, I mean, we'll have a full off season of Brace Thompson working on his game and getting his shot back. And this guy shot well in high school. I mean, he did from all over the floor. He was a much better offensive player in high school than we saw this year. But we saw the aggressiveness of Race Thompson. We saw how he goes after rebounds. We saw how, you know, he dives on the floor. He's willing to do that stuff. That He showed that in high school, too. I mean, so if he can be the guy he was, we expected coming in, and he's healthy, I mean, he might be better than the other guys. We'll see. It's going to depend a lot on this summer, and these guys will push each other. Iron sharpens iron. You want good players around you because they make you better. 
One of the best things to do if you're a kid or even an adult and you want to get better at basketball, go find a good pickup run where there's a lot of good players playing. Even if you're the worst one there, you will get better playing with those people because you have to. And it, it just, your game will develop. It, it really will. You'll start seeing things differently and you'll start, you know, reacting differently, differently to stuff. So, um, I, yeah, these guys will make each other better. There's no doubt about that. And a lot of the playing time will be uh, determined on who can guard the four with stretch fours and mobile fours. You know, which one of these post players can step out if they're going to play two post players at a time. Uh, and it's lineup. You know, Galen said, too, depending on who you're playing, uh, you know, uh, quicker fours, you might have a certain uh, set of, uh, of these five guys that are at the four and five that can play versus you have a couple bigs on the other opponent. But it does give that flexibility. But uh, in order to get more playing time at the four, you're going to have to be able to guard the four. And maybe, I, I don't see any of these guys necessarily, maybe Justin Smith can play a three at some point. Uh, but I, I don't know that uh, Indiana will ever go with um, more than just those two on the floor. So uh, we're just glad Joey Brunk's here. It gives depth. It gives some protection. We are due for an uh, injury-free year. <laughs> but, but just in case, there, there is some, there is some uh, backup there. Um, but welcome, uh, Joey Brunk. We, we know that you'll be part of many different lineups. Uh, and start uh, bringing Indiana basketball back. So coming up in our third segment, we'll take a look at Indiana's Big Ten schedule for the 2019-2020 season and also answer some of your questions. So stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Galen Clavio from Crimson Cast and Ryan Phillips. Uh, remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. So just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's now time uh, for... A little discussion about the just released Big Ten opponents for next year. First, let's look at Indiana's uh, schedule. We'll, we'll focus on Indiana today and maybe get to the rest of the Big Ten uh, in another show. Uh, home only, uh, Indiana plays Iowa, Michigan State, and Northwestern. Single plays at home. Uh, the single plays away are Illinois, Rutgers, and Michigan, which then leaves the other opponents for double plays. Uh, Ryan, your first thoughts on uh, the release of our opponents for next year in the Big Ten. Well, we don't have to worry about Rutgers twice, I guess, but we got to go there to play them. So, <laughs> um, no, but you know, it's it, it seems it's a it seems like a balanced schedule for Indiana. Uh, only playing Michigan once, but they got you got to go to the Breslin Center, or I mean, no, I'm sorry, the uh, to to Ann Arbor, um, and playing only Michigan State once, but you get them at home. So I, I feel like you got some luck there. Uh, Iowa should be decent next year, I think. Not great, but decent. Uh, and you only get them once. But then you got to go twice with Purdue, which I think is the way we all feel it should be. You should always play Purdue twice. Twice with Wisconsin, twice with Maryland. IU and Maryland have had some really good games since Maryland joined the Big Ten. Um, twice with Minnesota, twice with Nebraska, twice with Ohio State, twice with Penn State. Uh, I feel like it's a pretty even balanced schedule. I don't think that nothing jumped out at me like, wow, that's unfair. Um, I think we can wait for the schedule to actually come out and see when you have to play five road games in a row or whatever. That's when you really get determined. But, you know, I think that next year the Big Ten's going to have a lot of – I don't know if it's going to be as good as it was this year. This year it was historically good, but I think it's going to be a very balanced league as it seems to always be. So a lot of these teams, you know, your, your Minnesotas, your Nebraskas, your Ohio States, they're going to be tough outs. I mean, even if, you know, on the road when, the, when you face them there. Uh, no matter what year it is. So I feel like, it, you know, it's going to be a pretty balanced schedule. I don't think in Indiana got screwed. I don't think they, you know, got a really tough one or anything like that. I, f I feel pretty good about it. I don't know about you. What about you, Galen? I mean, when you looked at it. In a year where IU swept a future Final Four team and lost to Nebraska at home, it's hard for me to get fired up yeah. one way or the other about the Big Ten schedule and meaning anything. I just, look, I think if you're going to look at it, I'd rather not go to Iowa City because that's a tough place to play and that yeah. Iowa team is going to progressively get more experienced. Obviously, if you can avoid going to, to Breslin, uh, that's a place we've won twice in 25 years or so, that's great. 
and only having to play Michigan once is not a bad yeah. thing at all. Outside of that, I don't know if you can take anything out of it because no. who? I mean, a lot of it depends on the order in which these games take place, and we exactly. certainly don't, we don't know that. So, you know, do you get that Michigan away game out of the way in the first week of the season? You know, I mean, like it it right. would be way better. Or how you know Fred Hoiberg is going into Nebraska. What's he going to do that you don't even know yet? So, I agree with you. Uh, does does Ricky Patino get a little? Uh, get a little comfortable now that he's got an extension and does the team take a step back? I mean, there's right. so much to go between now and then, but just from a standpoint of if you're looking traditionally how these teams are, I felt it was a pretty balanced schedule where, you know, Indiana is not getting screwed over. No, I, th- I think that schedule is, is good for Indiana because of the reasons that you've guys said, you know, I tried to break it down and, and, you try to put teams in A, B, and C categories. That's what I do. But those can change. Those can change based on who skates, who goes to the NBA. We've seen Northwestern and Minnesota a couple of years ago coming off uh, uh, highly ranked in the Big Ten to start, and they end up at ninth and 10th. Uh, so you really don't know because teams can pop up and down uh, along. But I think if you look at Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Iowa, those are some consensus teams with a lot of players coming back that people think will be at the top. Uh, tier, Indiana uh, plays only three of those once. Uh, so if, if that does hold true, and it's a big if, uh, Indiana benefits from that. They also play a couple teams um, once that um, are in the bottom uh, with Northwestern only once. You might want to play them twice before they get going again. But ultimately, I, I do think it's um, a, a good that Indiana doesn't have to play Michigan. Michigan State twice. Ohio State uh, is the only team in the top four um, maybe if you put Maryland in there, but they have some players that might go to the NBA. So always fun to see who's going to come to Assembly Hall. Uh, it's, I think it'll be a good uh, home schedule for the Big Ten for the uh, most part. And if you do play those tougher teams, you'd like them in Assembly Hall. And, and so you have uh, Iowa yeah. and Michigan State for obvious reasons. So I, I think uh, that that is it's a little better than what could have been, and, and at least we're not sitting here going, oh, my gosh, we got to play a, a lot of tough teams on the road. So uh, you can check that out on various sources about who the rest of the Big Ten plays, single plays and double plays, and we'll probably get uh, back to uh, discussing that in a little more depth as the season comes forward. So now it's time for our mailbag, and we have a question um, from Cliff on the N- NBA feedback rules. He says, I understand the positives for the player. Do you think that it can have a negative team impact uh, if the player gets feedback and then comes back and only works on his personal skill instead of skills uh, for the team. Uh, Galen, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on the NBA feedback process. Look, I think everybody, most players want to at least know if they have a chance at playing professional basketball and the idea that they'd be able to get consultation to that end. For free. For free. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I, I mean, it, would we be mad you know when accounting firms came in and gave professional consultation to Kelly School of Business grads I hope not and, and so I feel the same way about basketball players uh, look I think that uh, most of the feedback they're going to get is going to tell them how to improve as basketball players I fail to see the issue there right yeah, I, 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 I I just there's no negative here for the player there really isn't it's it's a chance to a you know, work out against some of the best players in this class if you do get to the workout stage and you do get to the combine stage and all of that. Uh, But you get people to look at your film and say, okay, what are, you know, what do I need to work on? And there's, you know, it's also a chance for people outside your orbit to look at you. Whereas your coach may harp on something all the time and coaches, God love them, they can get myopic about something and say, no offense, coach, but they can say, like, you need to work on your shooting. You need to work on your shooting. You need to work on your shooting. And you go and get somebody else to look at your game. And they, from the outside, they say, well, you really need to work on your handle, too. You need to work on your dribbling ability and your ability to take guys off the dribble. Well, maybe in the offense you're in, you got to worry about more about shooting. But if you're going to be a more versatile player, you got to work on some other things, too. So I think it's great for the players. As far as the team, you know, will it hurt the team? that's on coaching and that's on the chemistry you build as a team and to know that that guy you know what it's best for everybody if that guy goes on to have success but at the same time you know you've got to with your team chemistry make sure that hey you know we're all in this together we want you to get better we want you to play better we want you to go on and be a a superstar and get to the next level but 
we, you know, you need to do that within the team system. And so it's on the coaches and the other players to sort of integrate what that guy's trying to get better at into, you know, the team mentality and everything. And it's on the players as well. They have to want to, to get better within the team concept. So that really is, 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 is an individual thing that comes down to how the team is, is operating. And on a team with no chemistry, yeah, that might be a worry. And, and a coaching staff that isn't fostering that chemistry and fostering a team mentality and a family mentality, yeah, that could be a problem. But I, I don't see that being a problem in Indiana. And I'll tell you, when Devontae went, some of the and words are words, and I understand that, but uh, the, the words that came out of the, the green camp seemed to be decent, uh, wanting to go get better, wanting to get Indiana back in the tournament, wanted to get better as a player to come back to Indiana and do some things. Obviously, I think they understand that he's probably going to come back and not stay in the draft. Uh, and, and at least those words were, uh, I think, productive. You, you do get... Uh, you could see maybe uh, an individual who who wants to do only what they have to do to get to the pro to the next level. But again, I think mo- most most advice is taken. And I also think it's nice to get outside of your group, which does include your family and the people telling you what your game is and what you need to improve on too, as well as the coaching. It's good to go get a, a third party uh, approach to, to your game. And I think it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. If, if kids uh, can do it, I think they need to go and do it. Uh, I think it's uh, beneficial all the way around. Um, next question is from Tony. Do you agree with Andy Katz's early assessment of the Big Ten in his early top 36? He had Michigan State, uh, Michigan, Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa, Purdue, and Illinois all in his top 36, and IU is not even an honorable mention. Can we be headed for another lackluster season? At least our Big Ten schedule is a bit more favorable this year. Ryan, um, do you agree with Andy Katz? I guess is the question from Tony. I rarely agree with Andy Katz. No, I, I, I honestly, I don't care at this point. I, and that would be my answer. That we were discussing whether or not to do this question, and I don't care. It's 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 April. Um, I, I, you know, sure, it, it's not whether or not IU makes the top thirty-six matters. Not the roster's not even complete yet. Um, so yeah, I think that the bigger sign here is that a lot of Big Tens or Big Ten teams are getting respect. Indiana didn't go to the tournament. They're not going to be in a lot of people's top 50 or top 36 or whatever because they didn't go to the tournament. And they lost Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan. So get used to that, guys. It's all, I have said from the beginning, I think that this team next, excuse me, coming next year will be better than the one that was playing this year. And the reason why is roster balance, a balanced scoring, you know, score sheet and stat sheet. It's not going to be so reliant on two players. A lot of these guys who came in and are Archie guys and that were in their first year will be in their second year. I, I just think it's going to be a better team, and I think it's going to be a better feeling about this team too. I've said that since before this last season. Um, then you they have out, something to prove too. They'll be and a they chip do. on their shoulder after three years not being in the tournament, and, and a couple guys about them. And a couple guys on this team have something to prove. A guy like Rob Finnessy who played a lot and didn't get, you know, didn't get him to a tournament. Uh, Devontae Green didn't get him to a tournament. You know, I mean, there's guys that have something to prove. So um, I, I don't care about these preseason rankings. I think that the the thing you can take away is that there are some there's some respect now being given to the Big Ten again, and especially after this year. And and I think the conference deserves it. What about you, Gal? Do you care about these at all? I think that we've already played into Andy Katz's uh, you know, like <laughs> a whole concept of having Such a, a top call. 36 because we've spent Such more time talking call. about it than it actually deserves. I'd like to refresh everybody's memory that last year's preseason top 25 had Nevada at number six, had TCU 15th, had UCLA 16th, uh, West Virginia was 17th. I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot. Yes, there's certain teams that you can more or less guess are going to be in the top 25 or whatever. But, I mean, who knows how Illinois, who you know, couldn't get out of their own way for the first half of the season this year, is actually going to play for a full year. I mean, who knows? Ohio, you know, Is Ohio State really going to put it back together? I think Katz had them like 11th in his poll. Uh, you, you never know. And, look, Indiana's just not a sexy pick right now because they, they don't have uh, a Romeo Langford-level player coming in to get all of the, the writers excited. They don't have a returning senior like Juwan Morgan, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be an effective team. And and I think when you look at it from that perspective, you have to say to yourself, well, ultimately you, you can't get too wrapped up in thinking, Oh, it's going to be another mediocre season because we don't, as, as Ryan said, we don't even know what the roster looks like yet. We don't know how the guys are going to mesh. 
and I wouldn't really get too concerned about it because it's just that you could you could literally each publish your own top 36 right now and it have probably just as much validity as what most of the top writers are saying at this stage. And I think that's an important point uh, as we wrap up the show to remember that no matter what the predictions by Andy Katz or anyone, there's bound to be movement up and there's bound to be movement uh, down in the top 36, top 25, your Big Ten uh, standings, all of those things. As, as I mentioned earlier, there's been teams that Indiana had uh, was highly thought of uh, at least four, five, six, and had injuries and, and fell down uh, last year. So uh, I do think it'll be a chip on the shoulder. I do think uh, Mr. Katz will be proven wrong, uh, but I'm a, a fanboy. So, uh, it, you know, I, I always see the positives. And uh, thanks, Galen, for joining us uh, at the last second. Thanks, Ryan, for getting your uh, uh, electricity back just at the right moment. And uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us and the chat mob at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again uh, next week on Assembly Call Radio. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. I'm going to do a shot. <laughs> Thanks, if I, Coach. If I, if I had it right here, I'd do it live on, on the after that dark. That would truly be assembly call after dark. Thanks, uh, guys. Appreciate it. I hope uh, my I had a window pop up at the very beginning that I when I went live. I think uh, it kicked uh, in. I hope that didn't cause any problems. I heard I multiple so. and panicked a little bit at the beginning, but thank you. Uh, Sounded good to me. I, um. But yeah, thanks for popping on, Galen. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, thanks for having me on, Coach. Great job. I, I've ho- I hosted one of these uh, about a year ago, and it was like I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, <laughs> you did a great job with it. So and, and see, we've kind of made it a thing where I refuse to learn how to host. But it it it's kind of just shtick. But like I actually have refused to learn how to host. But uh, I should probably. Do hey, hey, it doesn't take long. This, this, this at some point this off season, I should probably learn how to do that. Uh, all right, guys. All right. Thank you so much. I need to. I need to eat something as usual at this time. Take care, everyone. Thanks all for right. thanks, thanks again, guys, both of you, for for stepping up. Appreciate it. Right. Yep. We'll see you guys later. Later. Right. Have a good one. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense let me be straight with you this is a radio commercial for three small business insurance with three your entire business is covered so while you can't see the following scene just know that this contractor's business is protected by three hey toss me that drill yeah man heads up expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader.
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.